Say again. All right. This is uh, Chad with the first episode of Spiritual Punk Rock Redneck, and this is my first guest, Brad. Brad and I have a long history together, um, but today we're going to mainly focus on a talk that's uh, dear to both of us, um, which is uh, freedom. Um, But before we get started, I wanted to give uh, Brad an opportunity to kind of plug himself, um, just in case you don't make it to the end. All right. Go ahead, Brad. Uh, My name is Bradley Heedle. I reside in Salem, Oregon. I currently uh, launched two businesses recently, uh, Ronin Bujinkan Dojo and Ronin Health and Fitness Coaching. So uh, within the Bujinkan Dojo, uh, I'm... uh, I'm merely a small fish in a very, a much larger pond, rather. Uh, And we study directly under the teachings of Dr. Masaki Hatsumi, who is the last living ninja grandmaster in the world. Oh, wow, man. Uh, Yeah, he, uh, it ends up being... Of course, we study the physical attributes and aspects of combat. Uh, but more importantly, we study the internal aspects of man, uh, the humankind, rather. Oh, that's awesome, man. Uh, and it's a, very much a spiritual pursuit as well. Yeah, I think that uh, every one of us is kind of like finding our way right now. And uh, I'm just so, I don't know. I'm just in love with all of it. Like every time I, I talk to somebody else, it's like they've got some uh, kind of new or different way they've found a way to, uh, you know, get in touch, get in touch with who they really are and not really letting, you know, outside influences try and, you know, persuade them to be a way that they want them to be, you know, like you're finding what fits you if that makes sense. Absolutely. The gem has many facets. It has many sides. (laughs) Um, And each one, each one gleams as bright as the other in a, in in a particular angle. Right. Right. So, uh, (laughs) so speaking of, oh, well, well, to your point earlier, uh, just now rather, (laughs) Oh, sorry. I had a little THC before I started this. No, you're, you're all right, man. Yeah. Um, but rather to, to the point that you just made, um, that, uh, as we travel through life and make more connections with other, other humans that are like ourselves, I'm starting to see what I consider maybe a universal, um, consciousness shift. Yeah. That the, the world is becoming more wise, more, uh, able to view things objectively, despite what we see on social media and, uh, all of that. I think, I think that we're going to see the rise of more of an enlightened state of mind. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just, 
just more people thinking for themselves and doing what they know they're supposed to do as opposed to what they're being told they should do. And, like, we're continuing to be told, but, yeah, but but now we're just seeing beyond it. Like, it's so obvious. Like, it, 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 the structure's falling apart. If that makes sense, and and people <laughs> yes. are and 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 what's what's funny is that it's falling apart because people are just finding peace with themselves and each other. I uh, that's that's the that's like yeah usually like a deconstruction comes with like some sort of violence, you know, or overthrow, and yet and this time it just seems to be coming with like cooperation and and, and harmony almost. Yes, absolutely. Although from the establishment's perspective, it probably seems like violence. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I could totally agree. But I mean, I think this brings us right to like what we wanted to talk about today. And that's just like, um, what like freedom means to us. And I think I, I think a good starting place is just like our basic human rights. Like, um, us as humans. And so, um, I did look at this a little bit and, uh, I mean, uh, United uh, Nations has like 30 basic human rights and I don't necessarily agree with all of them. Um, as like, like, wow, oh, like paid holidays is a human right. <laughs> and I'm like, interesting. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, I think it's like number 27. It's down on the list, but, but either way, um, like you think that would what if someone chooses not to celebrate holidays yeah 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 exactly um i don't i don't know they just get a check at the end of the year well how does that work (laughs) yeah i don't know and for me like personally like i'm just i'm just a, a regular carpenter and we get some paid holidays but honestly the holidays that i get paid for i'd rather get paid like i get like you know Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. But I think I'd rather, I always like my, you know, I call them my dead American holidays, but, you know, my my Independence Day, Memorial Day, and my Veterans Day. <laughs> and uh, those holidays are I, all, I, all, all way more important uh, I, to me. I, I, uh, and the Marine Corps birthday. Well, yeah, that, celebrate that. Well, that's like the double that's holiday, well. you know. Yeah, it yeah. is. You get the Marine Corps birthday on November 10th, and then on the 11th, you get the Veterans Day. Yeah. Yeah, just go to Applebee's. Applebee's, man. Free. <laughs> <laughs> That's the big perks, yep. ladies and gentlemen, for yeah. those of you who don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I haven't uh, I haven't looked into the, the list of UN, uh, the UN Human Rights uh, but I'd, I'd be curious to take a look at it for sure. Sure. Like, uh, I mean, they're pretty straightforward. Number one, all humans are born free and equal in dignity and rights should be endowed with the reasons and consciousness should be, a, should act towards one another and spirit and brotherhood. So it's just like, Hey, we're all born free and equal and be nice to each other. And, uh, um, rights of freedom set forth a delect declaration. Okay. So then the second one is like, all these rights are for everybody, you know, um, rights to life, liberty, and security, uh, no slavery, no torture. Um, every person 
um, everybody is considered a person before the law. Like, you know, like no human is less than another, basically, um, especially in law. And then you get equal treatment in law, equal, equal in court, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, like there's like 30 of them. Um, and like I said, I agree with most of them. Um, oh, I was wrong about the paid holidays. But uh, number 27 was my favorite, and it's that everyone has the right to freely freely participate in the, culture, in the cultural life of the community and to enjoy the arts and to share in scientific advancement and its benefits. Um, hmm. Yeah, everyone has the right to the protection of the moral and material interests resulting from any scientific, literary, literary or artistic production of which he is the author. So... Yeah, that's a that that one I really like. Like, as a human right, you know, you're not, you can't just be ostracized. Yes. Yeah, and that's and I don't know. I don't know if that one's like really in in our constitution or in our Bill of Rights, which I think would be where we'd we'd have to move as Americans next. I'm sorry, you cut out there for about ten seconds. Oh, sorry. I had a call coming in, unfortunately. Oh no, sorry about that. Um. No, I was saying uh, a lot of these um, are cool in how you can see that they're they're really trying to touch on the spirit of humanity more more than just the survivability, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's. Um... I think understanding human nature is an important aspect of that. Um, Humans have an intrinsic, innate evil about them. We all do. And ultimately, like this list, um, it seems like they're attempting to put mandates in place to control that evil. And that's done in good spirit. Um, However, I personally believe that it's, um, it's not best achieved on a macro level or a, or a larger, broader plane, like a, list of human rights but really where this begins is in the individuals themselves because freedom I think uh, from my perspective freedom starts with the freedom from yourself oh sure absolutely you could be yeah freedom from your the freedom from your own ego is really, really where the path begins. Mm-hmm. It's not to say that you can't have pride. Pride and ego are separate. Mm-hmm. Um, but hmm, that's an interesting thought. What um, what I've found in my own path is that through 
my dissolution of my ego, the more and more that I practice that, um, the more that I'm able to control my reaction versus my response. Mm-hmm. Reactions are part of the autonomic nervous system, and they generally only do one thing, and that thing is almost never the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> it never has because been for me, like, I'll tell you that. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, if all, of, if all you have is a hammer, the old saying goes, then everything begins to look like a nail. Yeah. Um, now, once you can rid yourself from um, these autonomic responses or what the Japanese refer to as Joken, uh, or rather, rather these autonomic reactions, um, then you have the choice to respond. And in responding, the difference between responding and reaction is uh, response is a choice. It mm-hmm. is measured. And so you gain the ability to have the right tool for every job. Yeah, definitely. And this is a, I've certainly not mastered any of this. Uh, (laughs) I believe that mastery is probably a concept of the ego anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, That, you know, much like the trees that we, we need to, cultivate the ability for constant growth yeah like you can't much in the way of this practice is terrifying because ultimately it leads you down a path where you must confront your deepest darkest desires your deepest darkest fears yeah you have to confront these things and not only that but your hopes and your dreams these things that we attach to Mm -hmm. that's the word i was just gonna go to is like i kind of i i I don't know for me i i simplify it with just attachment Uh, attachment and like an identity which is what ego is but for me it seems to morph based on you know where i'm at in my life and then my you know like that ego is driven a, a certain direction or another, you know, based on what I think I'm enjoying or what would make me happy. But really it's just more attachment. And so now and, and like, ultimately that's where, you know, suffering is going to come from is from any attachment. And so now you just have to be con for me, I just have to be a conscious to what I'm attached to. I'm attached to this part of my identity this part of my ego, I'm definitely attached to the identity as a father. Um, but I also suffer from it so that, Mm. you know, like every time my kids, you know, hurt each other or get hurt, like I hurt, you know, I suffer, but that's because I I'm accepting that attachment. I think maybe, uh, the Buddhists have a thought that, that suffering is existence. Um, that it's a natural experience. But whether we experience the suffering or choose to suffer, I think are two different things. Mm, I yeah. think that yeah. I think that there can be peace found in the suffering if you 
can accept it. Oh, sure. Yeah, you have to ask it. Allow it to flow through you instead of allowing it to capture your heart. Mm -hmm. I think that that's, um, I think that's the kind of the other side of that coin. Uh, But I, you know, I struggle daily. Um, And not even daily because anymore I don't like to think of things in terms of days or weeks. Of course, I still recognize the, you know, the calendar system and the and, uh, <laughs> yeah. o'clock. Sure, o'clock you have to. Right? I'm a human, but yeah, because. <laughs> um, but I, I, I've started recently to consider things on a moment-to-moment basis, and that enlightenment is not. You know, or if uh, if somebody's religious proclivities prefer the term righteousness, sure, right? This is not a place that you arrive at. It's not a destination. No, it's a practice. Yeah, it's a moment to moment experience. Yeah, and, and to be and to be enlightened or righteous in one moment and to be a shit show in the next moment is that's quite natural. That's quite normal. Yep. Yeah, life's biggest wow. assholes are like your best teachers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're supposed to love right. you're supposed to love those assholes for being such great opportunities for you to learn. <laughs> I I often tell my students that uh and I I didn't come up with this of course, but I gained it from some enlightened in the moment fellow somewhere along my path. Sure. Uh, we learn nothing when we lose, or excuse me, we learn nothing when we win. We learn when we lose. That's when you learn. Sure. When I wind up in the right spot at the right time and everything goes right, uh, you know, I'm trying not to break my own arm jerking myself off or patting <laughs> myself on the back. <laughs> Sure. How good of a job I did. Sure. Right. Meanwhile. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm not. I'm. I'm no longer living in a moment-to-moment experience. I'm celebrating the past moment, and that's when the bus hits you. Yeah. Definitely. While you're doing your your no pants victory dance. Dude, I try not to do any <laughs> of them dances anymore. Like I, right? I don't do any, I try not to put any negative bullshit into the world. Cause there's already enough of that out there. Uh, having kids, uh, I know, you know, this like is real hard to not make your reaction a bigger like problem than what happened in the first place. So like whatever your kid does, like, this is my, my thing. Like, whatever the kids do, I'm trying to, like, make my response less than what they did. And that's real difficult to do, believe it or not. Oh, it, I, uh, I'm right there with you, my friends. Uh, my, my wife and I, um, I'm not surprised that you brought that up because my wife and I were talking about that yesterday evening. Uh, and her and I both struggle with that. Probably every parent struggles with this. And um, 
it's similar in my mind. I, I have to relate things on experience uh, to really fully start to appreciate them. But if my kid is careless and he spills his drop of milk or his uh, glass of milk rather. Yeah. And I flip out and yes, this has happened. Oh, I know I have too. (laughs) I've, (laughs) um, I'm, it really, for him, it has nothing to do with the milk. It's about him. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So I, my son uh, and my daughter, my daughter's 13, my son is 7. All right. Um, and, uh, you know, I've learned a lot on my path as a parent, and I hope to continue to learn on a moment-to-moment basis. But um, my son came to me, uh, I think he was five, and he was certain that I didn't like him. (laughs) And I was like, and then it started to click in my brain, and I'm like, no, I love you, and I like you, because those are different. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's Uh, true. (laughs) But... I, you know, I was upset by your action, Mm -hmm. but what he was really learning from that subconsciously is this is how we react to crisis. Exactly. And, and this is what a crisis is. A crisis (laughs) is suddenly a glass of milk that's been spilled. (laughs) And this is what we yell about. Yeah. Right. This is this is the time where it's appropriate to hurt somebody else's feelings. This is the time to be intimidating. Yeah. Well, fuck me running. I, <laughs> you know, I consider myself to be a thinker, but I'm shocked sometimes about the simplest things that I haven't thought about. Yeah. I still have that uh, very much of a child mindset, though, too, um, where, like, I just know that grown-ups always ruin everything. And so, I, I don't know, more recently, yeah. <laughs> I've been I've been just, I don't know, maybe it was this past January. I was sledding with the kids, like, right after New Year's, and I'm like, man, this year I'm going to just be like this all year. I'm just going to have fun and say yes as much as I possibly can and, you know, not worry about, not worry, not worry about. I I absolutely agree with you. Yeah. Uh, I think grownups ruin everything. (laughs) Uh, People and by grownups, I mean, people who've lost that childlike heart. Yeah. The, yeah. the heart of where each each situation, every moment is unique. Right? It is. Think about being think about being a kid. It's it's hard for me to remember what that was like. I but it's like it's like stepping off a plane into a foreign country. Everything everything that you experience there is going to be unique. Yeah. And, you know, 
And so through that, there is a magic about life and there is a wonder and there is this endless pool of knowledge that you can drink from. Definitely. But grownups who've lost that, that <laughs> somewhere in their, somewhere along their path. It's been, but it's been stamped out intentionally, don't you think? Oh, I absolutely, I absolutely think that. Uh, uh, I've the, felt the, the boot on the back the of my neck. The, the masculinity culture, I think, has been part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm not a big, I'm not big on the toxic masculine front, uh, but there's some valid points there. To say that they don't have any is just you're being intellectually dishonest. Oh yeah. Um, but you know this this rejection of um, of our softer side, uh, what the Chinese refer to as the yin and yang, the masculine and the feminine, and they complete the circle. Mm-hmm. In Japanese traditions, it's yin and yo. Um, it's this light and dark, this masculine, feminine mm-hmm. type of energies. And um, exploring that within myself has been a powerful part of my life. It's changed me dramatically. Definitely, man. I've found all kinds of just, oh, man, just new and, like, I just have experiences that I feel like, I don't know, like, uh, yesterday I'm in the woods, and, like, I come to a, a location where there's, like, a, a really, really old tree. And I can tell that, like, it's one of those mother trees. And as soon as I stand under it, I just get, like, an entire, like, that that tingle that just, like, runs through your body. And then, like, your your vision gets a little bit blurry. You, you get a little dizzy. Like, you stood up too fast for a second. But it feels kind of good. And then I move on. And I don't know how to, like, you know, I think that's part of that magic that I'm, uh, isn't it? And for me, I'm not even trying to like keep it alive as much as I'm trying to like strengthen it. Like, like experience this when I was the, the thought that I had, um, when you're talking about childhood was, I remember just sitting in my room going, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm alive. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm fucking alive. Like I can like, Holy what? I can't believe I'm a fucking live. I can't believe this. And like, I would sit there and think that and think that I would never get over it. Like I would never get over that like unbelievable like feeling. And, um, you definitely do get over it. But at the same time, I've like, I go back to it, especially with my kids now. And I can see it in their eyes and they're like, they're like, Oh my God, I, I can't believe that. and that's why i I, like just exploring the world and just i don't know thinking about things what do you want to do as more like what do you want to experience you know me personally yeah everything (laughs) everything i um Somebody mentioned to me the other day that, uh, you know, they, they 
they know me fairly well uh, for many years. Mm-hmm. And they said, this is how, this is the easy way to do this. They were explaining something to me. And I, for the life of me, I don't remember what it was right now, but not important. Sure. Um, this is, this is how you do this. This is the easy way. This is the hard way. And then I go, okay. And I go to do the thing and he comes up and he says, why are you doing it the hard way? <laughs> and, and I said, I think there's probably lessons to be learned here. <laughs> right. <laughs> Often, often the easy way involves technology, and in this case, it did. Sure. Um, and I try to experience things on more of a natural human level. I mean, I don't, I don't live without electricity. I mean, I'm not a complete whack job; only a partial whack job. Sure, sure. Uh, but I, I do hard things because. I think that that's part of our natural state. And the more that we do those uncomfortable things, the more difficult things, the volume on everything else starts to get turned down. All the other, all the other negative shit, you know, for instance, I take, I take contrast showers, which is not uncommon within the health and fitness I do the same. World. I mean, I've been doing it for years. Dude, I just okay. snow, I, I do so snow baths. Like I'll just go outside and okay. just start rubbing snow on myself. Um, but I'm crazy yeah. too. <laughs> You're a polar bear, and, and there's there's incredible health benefits to it, uh, including endocrine balance, uh, uh, skin health, uh, muscle recovery, injury recovery. Sure. Um, there's cog- cognitive benefits, and I can, you know, you can verify. When you get when you get out of that, that I feel like I'm high. Oh, I yeah, it's part of like I take a cool shower uh, most nights. I won't say every night, but most nights I take a cool shower before I go to bed intentionally, like so that I sleep better because it works. Yeah, like you have a and, and, bedtime routine for your kids. Like have one for yourself. It absolutely does, and. Part of sleep is your body actually has to cool off for you to properly sleep. Yeah, so, doesn't your brain your brain has to like reduce its temperature or something for your for your that's like the whole cold side of the pillow. That's why like you like correct. that is because your brain has to cool off to to shut down. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and of course that makes sense, you know, from an evolutionary perspective, because at night for a hundred million years, humans were going to sleep under the stars or in huts or in caves. Sure. They didn't, you know, the resources simply weren't available. Uh, so, so that's how the body evolved. And we also evolved to take cold showers. Ancient man washed himself in the in waterfall, in the river. In the river. Yeah. <laughs> and in the sea, uh, Hot, hot water was not available until, really, until the advent of civilization. Which, yeah, you know, okay, like the Romans, as, the Romans have the bathhouses and stuff. Yeah, yeah, uh, maybe as early as ten thousand years ago, which is 
a single drop of water in a five gallon bucket of time yeah. of man on earth. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. Um, this is also why I don't eat bread and, and a lot of other things, but, uh, and we could connect that to freedom too. I'm very steadfast about the fuel that I put into my body. That, um, that's awesome. Tell me about uh, what, you, what, what, uh, yeah, tell me about what your favorite foods are. Yeah, that that would probably be the best way to go with this. My favorite foods, to be honest with you, I was actually thinking about this the other day uh, because somebody was discussing with me uh, the the morality of bisexuality. <laughs> And I asked the person what their favorite food was. <laughs> and they gave me three answers. <laughs> because just about everybody will give you more than one answer. Yeah. Unless they're just, you know. Yeah, know unless you're Garfield and it's aren't. like lasagna. Some people, aren't, <laughs> some people aren't foodies, but I am. Uh, and anyway, that. That served to prove the point. <laughs> sure. That you can like, a person can like, love, desire more than one thing. So, yeah, to think of it in a binary approach is, is again, just yeah. intellectually dishonest. Okay, so yeah. back to my favorite food. Um, that's a tough one for me. I'm... Uh, I love to cook, but I'm going to say I don't mean to be a Rogan fanboy, but he's going to say elk, the man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Elk, elk backstrap, perfectly scrambled eggs. Um, maybe some salsa on those eggs. There you go. A little bit, a little bit of smoked sea salt on the steak and I'm good. There you go. That's Yeah. Uh, but I want it. I want it a little charred. I want. Oh, you yeah. like that? Uh, the crunchy outside, huh? Yeah, crunchy outside. I'm a <laughs> I'm a medium rare guy. Okay, um, you just want it seared. Yeah. Yeah, seared and a, maybe a quarter inch of brown on there, but not much. I know what you're talking um, about. Especially with elk, maybe maybe closer to rare, maybe. Medium rare minus. Sure. So about how Something many like that. how many times a day do you actually eat though? Uh I eat twice a day. I I practice intermittent fasting uh just about every day and occasionally uh yesterday actually I did a twenty four hour fast. Okay. So freedom from food. There you go. And in that process of fasting um, I bet you didn't realize this was going to turn into a nutritional podcast. No, dude, I'm ready for it. Uh, during the process of fasting, once you get past about the 16 hour mark, um, well, 14, 14 to 16 hour mark, somewhere in there, a process called autophagy begins in your body. Oh, that's a fun word and, there. Yeah. And what, what's happening essentially during autophagy is 
because your body no longer has food that it needs to digest and process mm-hmm. and absorb and transport and all of those things, it frees up the, the, the other cells in the body to do other tasks. So if you think of the body in terms of, I often say, uh, I often use the, the Zen proverb that the body is the temple which houses the spirit. Yeah. Therefore, the only holy war is the one with yourself. Oh. Oh man. And the temple, the temple is never finished. The temple is always under restoration. So, as we feed ourselves, you're giving your body the raw materials necessary for restoration. And if it's a job site, which it is, yeah, metaphorically, definitely. Uh, and raw materials are being dropped off every day. Well, with raw materials, if you have an eight-foot board, you're going to have some scrap. It's unlikely that you use that whole eight-foot board every time you use a board. Yeah? Yeah. You're, you're talking my language. <laughs> so, you have, so you have scrap. Well, if raw materials are being dropped off every single day, and often people... Many people in America are dropping off both poor materials, <laughs> poor quality nutrition, and too much. In abundance. <laughs> yes. So now you have a... a uh, abundance of shitty material. <laughs> of shitty material. And now you have an abundance of scrap as well. This slows everything down. The job site can no longer function productively because everybody's tripping over scraps. Sure. And shitty material, right? And it's not going to take very long before the workers on your job site want to quit. (laughs) This is the best, like, construction analogy for the human body. Like, uh, man, I love this. Thank you. So... But when we fast, those, those raw material delivery trucks, they stop. And then your workers are free to utilize the scrap material, all the broken protein chain, ah. all the random pieces of triglycerides that are floating in your bloodstream. All of these things get cleaned up. That makes sense. So, and, and this isn't a new thought. Of course, this goes back to the ancient, ancient practices. Yeah. How many religions At have least. a fasting practice? You All know? of them. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. There you including, go. Including the Native Americans, which are completely separated from every other major culture. Yeah. Right. Every culture on the planet has practiced fasting as a purification, as a method to rid the body of disease, as spiritual, uh, both a purification of the body and and a spiritual purification. Because a lot of things happen when you fast. It's a fascinating um, experience. So back to my diet, I fast 
daily uh, between 16 and 18 hours. And my first, I break my fast generally with the same thing. It's this. So I make I make green tea. Okay. And I put in uh, I put in some grass fed beef bone broth powder and oh, okay. some free and some free range organic chicken powder uh, uh, bone broth powder. So okay. I'm getting so I'm getting bone broth from from two different types of critters that have. Those have different amino acid chains, different amino acid ratios. Okay. So I'm getting uh, a wide, a broad mix of of uh, things like collagen and um, uh, glucosamine and a lot of these nutrients that really help the body. Sure. And I let's see, I add a teaspoon of Acerola cherry powder, which is uh, high in vitamin C. Vitamin C helps your body absorb collagen. Okay. Um, so I'm upregulating my body's ability to soak in that, that collagen and utilize it where it needs it, in my tendons, in my ligaments, in my joints, uh, in my skin, my nails, my hair, yeah. all, of those, all of those things. Uh, I add a teaspoon of a, it's a, it's called sacred seven and it's a mushroom. Oh, from mix. Paul Stamets. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's his outfit, but, uh, I've, yeah, I've heard of Stamets yeah. and, and he, uh, he has a, a mushroom blend, doesn't he? Yeah. I've actually ordered a couple of different ones from him. Yeah. He has the Stamets seven is I think what they call it. I've had that okay. one, but he's got a bunch of different on his on his website. Uh, no, it's likely the same uh, the same blend, but you know you have lion's mane for yep. for cognition and mood, and you have reishi mushrooms for, for um, I believe those help with uh, immune function. Uh, cordyceps for um, that's cognitive, for isn't it? In, uh, maybe in. No, I, uh, mean, one I, I don't know. For, one of them's for like physical endurance. Um, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And uh, anyway, a, a blend of equal ratio of these kind of superfood mushrooms. Um, and I throw in a spoonful of MCT, uh, MCT oil, oil, which is a medium chain triglyceride. It's uh they get it from coconut oil. So you have your beef chicken tea. Yeah, and it's delicious. <laughs> it's savory. It tastes like beef soup. And it's um, I'm, that's I've had awesome. It every man. day, every day for years. You, uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna put this I'm gonna happened. put this recipe in the show notes. All right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I can give you. Um, yeah, just send it. We'll send, send it to ratios. me after. Yeah, you just send it to me after. Um, then after that, I uh, I normally wait about forty five minutes to an hour because uh, that's that's semi filling, but it's a liquid, so it absorbs quickly. Um, and then I move to food. I don't eat the food directly after because when we drink large quantities of fluids 
just prior to consuming a meal, um, it dilutes your stomach acid. I just told somebody this like a week ago or something, like because they were like, "Why aren't you drinking any? You don't want any water with your dinner?" And I was like, "No, I don't want to dilute my stomach acid." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and they thought I was. They looked at me like I was crazy. See, this is the crazy stuff that I'm like, yeah. I get it. And like half the things you're saying, like I already do, but I'm just doing them intuitively. Like I don't, I intermittently fast. I only eat twice a day. Like you do. I don't break my, I probably don't eat for 16 to 18 hours. I will go more than 24 hours without eating, but I just listen to my body and it's doing it automatically. Um, which is, I don't know. I guess it's okay with me. (laughs) um and i think this this occurs this this um the ability to hear your body i think this really is most effective when when you at least got your ego on a leash you know maybe you maybe you You can catch it anyway uh, you can catch it if you can catch it it, put it down completely which i don't know if that's possible no you can't but But, you can catch it you'd be like oh i caught you you were trying to you were slipping out there yeah yeah because without that the ego is also what feeds uh immediate gratification right stuff i stick in my face that's where the that's where the root (laughs) of that is and so through through discipline comes freedom it's kind of um, those seem contrary, uh, but yeah, and it's hard because most most of the time when line. we think of discipline, it's almost like imposed upon us, right? Right. Like, I mean, we talk about self discipline, but even then, self discipline seems like we're doing it because it looks good on the outside, almost. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not really for your own well-being and that's really what you need self-discipline for is f- for your own well-being and the well-being of the ones you love yes yeah without if 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 we can't control our own desires then we really can't control anything else and control as a whole concept or as an idea is kind of faulty anyway the only true control is self-control beyond that you're just yeah you're you're gonna end up sad you're gonna end up sad (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely it's not gonna work for you man yeah the idea of trying to control things is funny i think of uh I think of watching Florida man on the news <laughs> standing, standing out on it, on the street in a hurricane shooting at it with a 12 gauge shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> this footage is available <laughs> anywhere where there's internet access. I love that um, stuff. And that's, uh, that's really, uh, that conceptualizes control of anything outside of control of yourself is that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he might still be sucking air 
right now and saying to himself, man, I really did it. I stopped that hurricane from getting me. <laughs> Maybe me he and, did, man. Me and my trusty old shotgun, Betsy. There's some like crazy well, footage of a guy that can uh, summon UFOs, and then they got like some local news crew, you know, out there. Like, okay, this guy says he could summon, and then he does. <laughs> There's a bunch of UFO <laughs> that show up, and they like stick around. They have footage of it. Um. Yeah, I forget what it's called though. But yeah, there's that there is that craziness in this world. <laughs> uh, I love it though. Um no, I was going to uh I was going to I wanted to talk about a a part of um Brad? Yes. Oh, okay, sorry. I heard a noise. I wanted to make sure I didn't lose you. Anyway, uh a part of freedom that uh that I, I feel like um, this what I call flow and that, that flow state where you are riding on the, the front edge of, of, of time. So the, ah. the way I think about time is like when you're watching the water move across the top of the beach on the sand. So like there's only water and sand, which is like past and present. But you see the third thing. You see the line. And, like, mm-hmm. to ride on that very, very front edge of that line as close as you can. Because there is a delay between photons hitting your eyeballs and then, you know, your brain reacting to them. I mean, if you can get real into it, you can notice the space in between when you're seeing and when your mind is processing your vision. Like, if you just slow yeah. down and stare, you can notice that space where you're blind for a, you know, a moment. Um, and so yeah, how do you, so, yeah, how do you ride on that front edge of that, of ooh. the, of life? Uh, firstly, by not trying. <laughs> yeah, you can't look at it because then you're already, because then you're already behind it. Because then you, yes. So. When, earlier when I spoke about the moment-to-moment experience, um, we can't, uh, and I, th- I think I, I kind of ended uh, more abruptly than I should have, right? So sure. we don't, you don't want to be caught patting yourself on the back for the last moment where you did things good because you get hit by the bus. So really... yeah that flow state exists between the moments. Louis Armstrong, I believe, the uh, jazz musician. Yeah. He said, it's not the notes that make the music, it's the space between the notes that makes the Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've read uh, this. There's like this old book uh, from like the 70s or whatever called like The Teachings of Don Juan. This guy, this reporter goes down with some Native American uh, shaman, but uh, they talk about, you know, listen, don't listen to nature, but listen to the quiet spaces in between, like the leaves rustling and the birds chirping, like to, to hear the space in between. That's what, yes. uh Yeah. Yeah. So kind of, uh, we refer to, we refer to it in, uh, ninjutsu as moving meditation. Okay. So the ability to meditate at the same 
you know, the same ability of a, of a Buddhist monk, but do it while living. Yeah. Not while seated in a cave. I mean, of course, occasionally being alone in nature, seated in a cave is good. That disconnect is important. Mm -hmm. But, uh, the ability to retain that flow throughout your experience is, uh, that's not easy. As soon as the mind gets involved, it, things start to fall apart. Where do you Uh, find it, Brad? Where's your favorite place to find that? I've, I have several. Uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah, I think like, we all do. Much like my favorite foods, I like I enjoy experiencing that on a mountain hunt. Yeah. In the wilderness. Definitely. And being being in the in awe of the power of nature because the best animals are found in the most austere conditions. Sure. That's where they go. That's where I would go if mm-hmm. I was being hunted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but unfortunately, I don't. I, I don't experience those moments as often as I would like to. No, I don't think any of us does. Life and and time gets in the way, but um, more and more, I try to experience that feeling through. Uh, the martial arts that I practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started my dojo recently. I started it uh, April of last year. And uh, as a new sensei, I was struggling. Um, and I was struggling because I realized that I was trying to teach the martial art instead of what I should be doing, which is just do it. Ah. Um, yeah. Just do the martial art. That arts, true art cannot be taught. But if you watch the masters paint, you will learn the best from them. Yeah. And you know what? This might sound kind of lame, but I feel the same way about carpentry. Like, yeah, you, I can't. You can watch all the YouTube you want, <laughs> you know. But until you <laughs> until you frame a house, you you're not gonna know how to frame a house. And uh, and yeah, and I like my style. Always, I guess my leadership style had always been just. It kind of sucks when I have people working with me because then I work way harder. <laughs> um. Just because I want to, you know, set an example, I guess. Sure. And um, I can't even not do it. That's what sucks. Like, I'll, you know, preemptively think, like, oh, today I'm I'm just going to slow down and let the guys do their thing. No, you just get in there and I just got to start pushing. <laughs> I can't, uh, I can't well, not, the, not get my hands dirty. When the... When the person that's in the leadership position does that, they create a different energy. And that energy 
is contagious mm-hmm. and it's a, and and then it becomes the standard mm-hmm. um so i'm not the first one to think to think about this particular concept that i'm going to mention but um but i'm not familiar with anybody else's writings or thoughts on it so mm-hmm. everything that i'm going to share is really just from my own uh perspective but if we break everything down to an atomic level, um, then we realize that all things are made ultimately of atoms. Mm-hmm. And those atoms are only held together because they're vibrating at the same frequency. Mm-hmm. That's what makes metal hard. Mm-hmm. And if put under the proper frequency, you can completely dissolve things. They'll just come apart. Sure. Um, And we also know, uh, directly connected to that idea, is this idea that, so of course, things of like frequency are attracted to each other. Right? Uh, That's that's what makes hard things hard all those things are attracted so tightly that it makes that object dense okay yeah okay so and i think that different states of being different internal states lead to maybe just very small frequency shifts in that vibration Okay, so when you're feeling down mm-hmm. um, and when you're focused on your problems as problems, yeah, instead of opportunities, uh, possibilities, yeah, opportunities to find new solutions, yeah. right? But just just essentially you have the wrong perspective. This this might lead to a or maybe it's caused by, or maybe it's a snake eating its own tail and they're just feeding off of each other, but you now have a low vibration. <laughs> and you yeah. are going to attract things to your life that are people that are of low vibration. Mm-hmm. You are going to attract people who prey on people who have low vibration. Mm-hmm. You are going to attract things, situations. Bullshit. Vibration. More bullshit. So, mo mo problems. Yep. It's not mo money. Mo problems. It's more problems. It's more problems. Mo, pro- <laughs> mo problems. Mo problems. <laughs> right. But the opposite is also true. That higher vibrational people attract other higher vibrational people or people who are seeking that. Um, And they just seem to be more lucky. (laughs) Uh, And I think that probably, um, so, and, and of course, none of this is religious in nature, but, if you get into theology, the Christians would argue that that Christ had he was able to 
keep and hold that vibe yeah all the time. yeah like he would walk right. into a town and everything would just chill the fuck out like right like ah oh, jesus is in town feels good around here yes <laughs> yeah and maybe he was just also a very talented magician maybe i kind of okay. seem to believe like he just what? he had it sorted like he had it sorted yeah. right absolutely it's not that hard um, to believe but I would also argue that maybe Buddha had this vibration too, and countless other people whose names have been lost to history, which is written by the victors. Sure. Um, have attained this ability. Right? Not attained it, they've cultivated it. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility that anyone could do that. I'm I'm completely tracking with you. A universal receiver. Yeah. In uh, if you want to get into, uh, but don't you? Okay, but you got to be honest with yourself. Like, so when you're, you know, when something happens, like UPS, or you know, like. Amazon messes up your package and you take it to the UPS store and he tells you it's the wrong store and he's a dick about it, you know, <laughs> and then, and, you know what I mean? Just like some bullshit and then it makes you late for this other thing, you know, and it kind of just fucks up your week and, and then you're just like, but you gotta love it. Right. <laughs> and, 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 and it doesn't, I don't know. It, there, there's a like we can sit and you know we can talk about how like you know you can find the light and it's all everything's the way it's supposed to be and you can't control shit but <laughs> but this is when i think about this shit okay is when i'm in the truck and i'm you know dealing with this and i'm like okay all right this is an opportunity because nobody's looking for enlightenment when they're happy right you're right. you're looking for it when things are not going the right way, or at least that's when the opportunity arises. And yeah. um, because, it, like, why would you try and seek some other experience when the experience you're having, you're currently having, is just fine, or you're content yes. with it? And so it's these these trials in our day to day that give us the opportunity to seek this light. But then you have this, like, I don't know. I feel like I have this, uh, this relationship with whatever you want to call it. You call it the universe or God or the light or, or even your higher self or whatever. I don't know, but there's something outside the realm of science that I think more people are connecting with, but I just like to argue with it a little bit. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. (laughs) It's uh, <laughs> bro. It's a it's a struggle bus, you know. Many moments of the day, <laughs> dude. I uh, I still have my old Colorado, and the tires on that truck are worth more than the truck now. Um, they're <laughs> nice. They're nice tires. <laughs> but uh, um, I just spent like fifteen hundred bucks getting the heater all redone and fixed because it was like killing all the wiring, and now my blower doesn't work. And it's cold. I'm like, what the, you know what I mean? Like $1,500 in a truck that I could maybe sell for like three, 400. (laughs) uh, Yeah. 
and then it doesn't work. And I'm like, and so I'm like, where is the lesson universe? I'm on my way to work. I'm looking for the light. Where's the lesson here? <laughs> um, get a new truck. I have another one. <laughs> okay. I got another truck. Uh, Look at you ball, that, balling out of control. Uh, well, that one's, there's no reason to get rid of it. You know, I mean, no. it, it runs five. Yeah. That's the heat yeah. doesn't work, I guess. <laughs> it'll make you, it'll make you stronger. I, man, I've gone years without heating that truck before years and then gotten it fixed and it'll go again. I had that, the truck's what, 15 oh, years I old. I feel you. I had a 84 and a half Ford Ranger that I borrowed from my grandfather when I got out of the Marine Corps and I borrowed it for a couple of years and, uh, yeah, no AC, no, no extended cab, none of that. Oh, just, dude, just a box yeah. on wheels. It's a, it's literally a grown-up's like radio flyer wagon. <laughs> yep. Had AM/FM and it had cassettes, but it was, you know, it was 2004, 2005, 2006. Yeah, making your Brad where, mix. Where was I supposed to get cassettes? I know you get the thing that uh, goes into the discman. Make sure you got skip yeah, protection. I, oh, I had that little <laughs> tape deck that plugs in. It's got the wire that goes it comes out of your dash, dude. That's crazy. And there's there's nowhere to put the. This, the Walkman CD player, so it just no. like slides around the truck and yep. skips. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Um. Yeah, but I. Uh, but I also understand because of that truck, you keeping the one that you have because I have fond memories of that truck. Oh yeah, and dude, I like the fact that I. I don't know, because I get to see some of you guys once in a while, and I'll always pull up in that thing, and people are like, you still got that truck? Why not? Yeah, that's pretty amazing. (laughs) There was like uh, three or four of us that all bought Colorados at the same time. I remember York had a black one, and uh, I think Chuck had one. Somebody else had one, too. Like a but uh, Colorado gang. Yeah, I don't think I think yeah. mine's the only one still around. Ah, <laughs> uh, the OG. Yeah, That's you. Yeah, dude. But now I got a Dodge uh, uh, with a Hemi, but it's the same year as my truck, which is funny. I only paid. Oh, that bucks. is funny. I only paid a few thousand bucks for it, but uh, it. Um, yeah, it was like three times the price, you know, at the time when they were both made. So, Mm. yeah, a lot nicer. But I'm just holding on to these until I get my Cybertruck in the mail. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Elon Musk. I'm waiting for him to finish the factory. I heard rumors that they... I heard rumors they were going to get a military contract for those, though. I mean, I did not. I I haven't heard that rumor, but it seemed. I I, uh, I feel like I seen uh like a mock up of like an armored up Cybertruck. That sounds pretty sweet. It would uh, make sense. I was thinking <laughs> about it today on my way home. I was like, you know, like because you would run, you could just set up a solar fe- panel field anywhere, and then just batteries, and then you could charge your trucks, 
And I mean, worst case scenario, you charge batteries with a generator, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, they're already bulletproof. They come stock bulletproof for a nine mil. (laughs) Yeah, that Mr. Mr. Elon Musk is a fascinating individual. Uh, You should interview him. Yeah, maybe someday. I think that he has yeah. the neural link already though. Like the way that he uh, pauses in his in between, you know, like he gets asked a question and he thinks for a little bit longer than just a second longer it seems. Like where he's like referencing something in his neural link. <laughs> I, I wouldn't put it past yeah, him. It wouldn't guinea pig himself. Oh yeah, yeah. why not? Um but all I can say is that I'm thankful that um, as of currently, he seems to be on the side of light and good. Yeah. Because that man is otherwise, he's about two thirds of the way to becoming a bond villain. Yeah. He could be very easily. (laughs) Maybe it's just, maybe it's just age. Is it just age that makes you a villain? Like as soon as you get old, like, like, look at no, Bill, Ga- Bill Gates. Bill cat. Gates was a hero, and now he's old, and everybody hates him. But he's like, he's buying all the farmland. <laughs> he's going to starve us out. I think the Elon Musk just needs a big fluffy cat. and uh, Shave and his head. Evil intention, and evil intentions. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then we got to call up Daniel Craig. Yeah. Get, get his ass to work. That's awesome. So let's talk about... I want to have a conversation with you because I've just kind of been having this conversation. It's been coming up a lot lately. Yeah. People asking me, so I'm going to ask you. Yeah. Um, who's your preferred James Bond? Uh, you know what? And it's so such a shitty reason why. Okay. It's Pierce Brosnan. And it's just because I was so like, attached to the Nintendo 64 James Bond GoldenEye video game. Okay. That's like really it. Sweet, Bond 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 GoldenEye. That's like when it comes to Bond, that's like where my that's like my only real attachment. Other than that, I liked Jaws. I thought Jaws was awesome. <laughs> Jaws uh, was in fact Oh, he was a James Bond villain. Yeah, yeah. That, like, that's that, it, that you know? Jaws? Yeah, that's what I'm shark? talking about. No, Jaws, the James Bond villain. That's what I meant. Uh, I was going to tell you that Jaws is, in fact, not a, one of the James Bond actors, but but only a shark. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, guy, the, the Jaws guy was cool, but just as uh, actors who portrayed... 007 himself. Well, who's the new guy? Uh, Daniel Craig. Yeah, he was. He's been. He's in that movie, uh, Defiance. Yes, he's pretty. He's really good. I think. I think that's. Yeah, that's my quintessential Bond as well. Yeah, and I grew up on the old stuff. You he know, seems genuinely and, uh, good in real life, though. That's what it is. Like Pierce Brosnan, he could be evil. Could be a yeah. round with them Hollywood pedophilia things. I don't know. I'm not making any accusations. Right. I'm just saying there's a there's charm. a possibility there. Whereas as the other dude, the newer guy doesn't. I don't get that vibe from him. 
No. And for me, it's just, it comes down to believability. Um, when yeah. I'm watching a movie, I don't want to feel like I have to manufacture my own uh, belief. Yeah. Yeah. You want to get lost in the realm. I, yeah, uh, I'm there. I'm there to mentally just get absorbed by that temporarily. And I and often allow the magic box to do my thinking. Yeah. I often watch movies through the eyes of like it's actual production where I'm seeing, like I'm thinking about how they're making it, like what's going on when they're actually making that scene. That happens to me when I'm really stoned. Uh, well, I no, I do that anyway. <laughs> I just do it. I just do it. And so, um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. I just do it anyway. So any, but yeah, so I know what you mean. It's my, it's more fun to have a movie that will help suspend your disbelief there without, yeah, you know, you so having to try. That, Daniel Craig is my man because... Uh, all of the other bonds, you can line them all up in their prime, and there's only one of them that looks like he could be an assassin, and it's that guy. Yeah. Okay. It's Daniel Craig. Sure, I see it now. Like, just look somebody in the eye and put a knife in their throat. Yeah. That's Daniel Craig. Yeah. Definitely not Connery. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Or slap a woman if she gets out of hand. Oh, man, that was perfect. <laughs> they should have a black bond, I'm saying. Like, uh, get, get uh, uh, Denzel. Well, they were talking about, and I don't want to butcher his name, uh, Idris Elba. I don't know. Or Idris Elba. He, um, let's see. He was... Uh, I think he'd be good. I think he'd be a good character for that. Okay. Um, or a good actor for that. Rather, he was in. Um, most recently, what I saw him in was Gunslinger: The Dark Tower. I don't know if you watched that. No. Um, and I don't watch a lot of movies okay. anymore, so I uh, I don't. I got one. I think one on my list he, is Tenet. He's a Tenet. It's like uh, the same guy that made um, Inception and uh, God, what are those those movies? Anyway, it's a spy movie, but it's got some, it's got like all this stuff to do with uh, ancient Seder Square. Uh, So like a Seder Square is like this, uh, it's a square of letters where it's like five letters across and up and down, but you can read all of it in different directions but tenant is one of the words in the Seder square and then there's mm. a bunch of other words like opera is in there and like the first scene the movie starts out in an opera and then like one of the villains is you know and the name of one of the companies is in this square and i don't know so like it appears there would be some like kind of ritualistic magic going on in hollywood here with this film based on their use of like this really ancient uh, like almost ritualistic symbol um, to base this movie around. So I have it on my list, um, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. Well, now it's on my list. Thank you for, yeah. Thank you for informing me. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I already had too much shit on my list. Chad, 
don't watch the expanse <laughs> it's super okay. good but it's really it's like if you want to did you watch lost back in the day back in the early 2000s uh no i did not i'm familiar with the show okay uh, so like the generally. first season of lost is like amazing right and then 10 seasons later it's just a fucking it there's no reason <laughs> there's no reason seems like in 10 seasons time i could come Dude, up with they, some way to not be lost every anymore. episode of lost left you with more questions than you they, it would never answer a question and it would just leave you with more that was like the whole point like you would oh, leave the, uh, the end of the episode would leave you with like two new questions and then the next episode would start and they would never answer those two questions and they would just give you two more <laughs> and they did that for 10 seasons and then in the last like 20 minutes of the very final episode they try to cram it all into that and it's really bad oh sorry for anybody that's a lost fan but that's just kind of how i felt um but i did i i paid my penance to that show so i feel like i uh i i've earned my right to criticize the ending. I wonder how many of those fans suffer from crippling anxiety. <laughs> uh, they like as, as a result of that information pattern. They never explain the number. There's a guy that wins. Uh, he has the lottery numbers and wins like millions of dollars, and that's why he's on the plane. And then that same, mm-hmm. those same lottery numbers are like the serial number on the on like the porthole cover or whatever the to the underground oh, so bunker they, but then the, the, they make it significant but then they don't ever explain it it just hangs out there they might bring it up again but it doesn't <laughs> uh to just make a show like that like let's just make things connect but for no reason <laughs> uh, well i you mean that Quentin my Tarantino grandma kind of and your grandfather were in the same train station on that same day? They were. And then that's it. And then that's it. Yeah. <laughs> the end. Yeah. It's kind of the way my my teenage daughter tells stories. <laughs> Out of context and with no payoff. <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah i'll be like deeply involved in a conversation with someone and she'll come up and just go hey dad do you want to hear this rhyme that i used to sing when i was in third grade (laughs) sure sure (laughs) sure do you want me see that's where i'm like do you want me to record it (laughs) (laughs) put it on the podcast yeah i always whenever my kids they they're always dad 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 like constantly you know but watch you know that and because uh, i my attention span is is difficult too so like constantly watch but uh they um yeah "Yeah, do you want do you you want me to record it for you (laughs) (laughs) sure i'll record it for you i'm gonna cartwheels in in your pocket yeah yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it is. It is good to. 
I, I've enjoyed capturing time in the form of video footage of my children and then going back and looking at those times laughing. Definitely. Yeah. It's the, amazing. The, the difference between crisis and comedy is often just time. Yeah. I, you know what? I have been able to kind of braggingly, I've been able to recently have some shitty times like this past, uh, winter, uh, my pipes froze for like three days and it was like in the forecast where it wasn't going to get warm for like two weeks. (laughs) And I'm like, this shit is going to be funny. (laughs) This shit's going to be funny in a while. So to like be able to do that, not to say it wasn't a struggle and I did get my water going after three days, but you know what? I was on my way home. And I was thinking about how grateful I was that I could just, that I still had heat and electricity and that I could just stop and buy jugs of water. And I had this like cool camp shower thing. So I could just still take a shower in the shower. Um, and so I was just like, you know, being grateful for that on my way home. And I come home and the water's running and I'm like, yeah, you know. So I think, I don't know, maybe just in a, maybe, maybe it was going to happen even if I was in a shitty mood, but I'd like to think that it was an example of what you were talking about earlier, where like, if I'm thinking about good things, then I'm going to attract and I'm on that vibration. I'm on the vibration where, where I'm making that water flow, I guess. I think, I think it's powerful. I think it's more powerful than, than anybody's willing to admit. <laughs> maybe more powerful than I'm willing to admit. Yeah, but that's where um, I, I feel like I'm just like tricking myself into enlightenment. <laughs> hey man, however you get there. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think that, I don't think the means matters so much. No, no. Yeah. It's just those momentary periods of light. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely just taking the time to, I don't know, every day when I, you know, like I talk about driving a lot, but you know, everybody commutes pretty much. And so when I get out of the car, I take a breath and I look up at the sky and I think about how I'm on a giant ball and in any direction I look, it goes infinitely <laughs> and that, uh, yes. and then, and, and I have a really good, um, like, feel for the way in which the earth is rotating and this how seems important to me because of that uh wanting to ride on the front edge of time like that flow state so like when i you know when i meditate i i try to face the east so like i'm facing the direction in which we're going right am i right Uh. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. So like catching the wind in your face, like, I don't know, something to it. Mm. I feel maybe not, probably not, but I haven't haven't thought about the directional. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm. Cause I mean, we're spinning and going around the sun in the same direction right we're not yes. we're not spinning one way and going around the other way and so right. like literally that is like how we would measure time 
and how we're on the front edge of it. I don't know how else to explain it. That is if time is linear. Well, it isn't. It's linear. It's linear enough for me today. Okay. Yeah. Well, we do. Uh, it's easier to think about it as linear, but yeah, I've heard theories and I'm not schooled in them. So caveat, but the time may in fact be vertical. That everything is actually happening at the same time. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> like all the movies are playing out this on the same time, but then you, and that's the idea of like being able to jump from one reel to the other. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, kind of a multiverse concept. Yep, yep. Which, like, even people like Neil deGrasse Tyson are are in favor of. And I mean, you know, and then we're now we're gonna get into simulation theory, game theory, all that nonsense. I'm not ready for that. No, I'm not either, man. I'm not ready for that either. <laughs> I'd, I'd have to hit the vape pen again. If I was yeah, there. yeah. Well, we're coming up by about like an hour and a half, Brad. What do you think, man? All right, brother. Dude, it has been so much fun. Um, I think that we're both, uh, I don't know. You know, this is exactly what you were talking about earlier, though. Like, where two things vibrating attract, you know, and like we're we're kind of vibing on that same wavelength right now. Um, We almost probably, it sounds like we're literally like eating at the same time of the day. (laughs) <laughs> it does certainly sound like that and I, I think it's it's been this way really kind of since we met yeah so yeah many years ago back in 2003 yeah no 2002 2002 2002 yeah yep. the other guys in the squad used to say that you were my mini me yeah why not yeah yeah, I would say. Yeah, uh, was, uh, I would say. I mean, the the stuff stuff that that like you and like the other leadership in the Marine Corps that was taught, you know, like just the basic training shit that can really mm-hmm. come from almost anybody in the Marine Corps because that's just how it comes down. But right. the mindset that you gave me, I will swear I'll swear to God the rest of my life kept me alive. Like the mindset to have in as just the mindset of a Marine period. That's all it is. Is like, like the example that you set for me was enough to keep me alive and, and breathing today. And I want to thank you for that, man. Humbled by that deeply. I appreciate all of your good words. I frankly was, scared to death because I had no idea what I was doing. I, I had never been to war. I had never done the things that I was training you guys to do, but I read everything I could and I learned from the smartest people that I could find, the most experienced people that I could find. Ah, you didn't even need to share that. You didn't even need to do that though, man. You were like a fish in water. (laughs) maybe my calling yeah yeah i mean you probably had several past lives as a warrior and so like it's not you know nothing new even though you say like i'd never been there but mm." (laughs) 
Mm. But I, well, I honestly felt at home uh, when I was there. Yeah. I mean, many, many terrible things happened, and and I'm not here to glamorize or romanticize war, but no, uh, I think, yes, I think that some people, I think there's something to that. Uh, some people are built for it, maybe destined for it. And now I spend my time training other people in war. Ultimately, that's what martial arts is. Yeah, protect, so, the, pr- defend themselves and the ones that can't defend themselves. Right, but also now teaching them the uh, mental and internal lessons that are necessary for uh, keeping peace. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, dude, this has been awesome. Interested to know more about. The martial art that I practice, ninjutsu, you can go to, uh, we have a Facebook page, Ronin Bujinkan Dojo, that's R-O-N-I-N-B-U-J-I-N-K-A-N Dojo uh, on Facebook, and also Ronin Health and Fitness Coaching. Uh, So if you're not local, that's okay. I can do remote coaching as well and uh i practice kind of a blend of ancient wisdom mixed with better living through science so dude that's awesome shame shameless plug no please please that's awesome man all right brother all right i'll talk to you again soon man yep much love all right thanks again oh all right bye Wah, 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 wah.